But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread and joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life. And in your toil at which you toil under the sun, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Thus far the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. If you would pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for um, the ability to focus on what you have to say to us today and to learn from it. We pray we would be good stewards of the life that you've given us and that we would think seriously about it and rejoice where you have us rejoice and be humbled in the areas where you would have us do that and and in everything, we want to give thanks to you. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, many people go through life um, with little joy, you might say. I mean, they might kind of look the part in certain settings, but maybe uh, you look at them and you think, I don't know, after I talk to them and see a little bit behind the curtain, uh, they're anxious about different things, maybe about the economy, which is certainly something you might be anxious over. Uh, you, there are things that could make you nervous about that. Maybe they're anxious about their job, whether or not that they'll be able to keep it or what's going on with it. Uh, some may be worried about losing their home at different times in, in life as maybe they've lost their job or lost some kind of income. Uh, some people are angry in life about like gas prices would be a thing that we would see kind of as it climbs up. Uh, and we've kind of had notoriously low, I guess, prices uh, uh, as of a couple of years ago. And so that's kind of, you hear that a lot. You hear people talk about um, just different things that they're facing. And that those are all trying things or difficult things. And sometimes it can take uh, the joy out of life. Other things like someone's health uh, is certainly a real uh, thought. There are people today that we know, many of us probably know, that have cancer and 
and maybe they've uh, been through the treatments and everything looks clear, but they're worried about what may return or may, maybe they're um, worried about some of the things as they get older that come with age. And so there's a long list of things that people are dealing with in life and that can like take away some of the, the joys of it. And uh, today we're going to be talking about those things and be honest about them, but then also say, but God's over that, but he's also over the gifts that you've been given. And so your heart can be all, be filled with thanksgiving, even though you may face um, many different struggles in this life. One of the things that um, one author noted was Samuel Johnson, who finished his famous dictionary. And at the end, you, you would think he would be like, oh, I've done it all. You know, he's, he, he literally took every word that he could find, I guess, in the English language and gave it a definition. So you think, well, he must be filled with joy. But he really writing about it, he said, um, I saw that one inquiry only gave occasion to another as far as going back and looking over it where kind of questions would arise. And he said, um, as I did that, uh, um, that a book then referred to another book, that to search was not always to find, and to find was not always to be informed, and that thus to pursue perfection was to chase the sun. What was he saying? He's like, even though he had done something great, something that people would say, hey, this is like, we can't even believe that he created this dictionary, yet there was a level of frustration. Even though he'd kind of searched all these things out, he still found himself frustrated to try to understand everything in the English language and that's not counting all other languages so you think about like the anxiety that people feel some of the struggles that they face and yet like somehow that that sometimes leads to such frustration that you might be really pessimistic about even the great things that you've done and today we're going to say you know what you really want to enjoy life even though there are all those frustrations even though some of us may be sick and we don't know it even though there may be some element of sadness or broken relationship, even if there are all kinds of struggles that we might be facing, the reality is there is a call to enjoy the moments that you have. And so you're about to step into the holiday seasons. For some people, that makes them nervous because uh, they know this family member or that family member will be there. For other people, uh, it's real exciting because they see people they haven't seen. And I would just say, when we're looking at this and we're looking at Ecclesiastes, we're saying, hey, let's be honest about the world we live in and yet delight in the things that God gives us. That's kind of today. That, that's really at the heart of today. We want to do that. And so one author said, life is bitter and sweet. And if we fail to perceive both of these tastes, we fail to experience life as it actually should be lived in this world. Like in this fallen state, bitter and sweet. Both of those things are of value to you. So we're going to say the goal here today is to leave here and say we want to enjoy life. We have to first admit that we're perplexed by things in it. That's part of it. We also have to accept that we're going to die. This is not our home. And then the third is uh, you want to enjoy today's gifts. And then finally, I think you want to say, Let's face the complexity and all those fears with hope, Christian hope. So that's kind of where we are today, and we'll look at that together. So first one, as we, thought, as we pursue the enjoyment of life, we have to admit that we're often perplexed. Now, what does he say in verse 1? Can you look at that real quick? He said, he, he laid his heart to examine all these things, how the righteous and the wise are 
and their deeds are in the hand of God, whether it is love or hate. Man does not know. Both are before him. What's he saying? There are things that are coming in this life. Like for those who live a godly life, for those who pursue the Lord, there are things that come to them that you don't, in your mind, you might look at them and say, I don't know whether that's good or bad. I mean, that, that seems hard for me to figure out. Does God care for me? Does he love me? Does he hate me? I mean, there's things, questions that might come to your mind as you experience them. But the deal is, it's no respecter of persons. Um, God is watching over everything, and yet you have to look at it and you have to say, you know what, if you're someone pursuing wisdom, you still may face um, great trouble and difficulty, and you will. This one author noted, if there are heavy storms, the righteous get flooded out with the wicked. If there is an earthquake, both of their houses fall down. If there is a depression, they both are broke. And, and even if you thought more positively, he says, if times are good, there's a rising tide, uh, all their boats are lifted up. Um, and if, if there's something that happens where, like, for instance, if you're an agrarian society, it rains and provides crops for your neighbor who's unrighteous, but you're righteous, both of those things, whether it's optimistically or you know, more pessimistic as, as we think about this, um, God is doing what he's doing, and we don't always understand that. What we have to do as a Christian, I think, is say to ourselves, listen, all we know is that he is watching over us, and he has a future prepared. That, that's what we know. He is securely holding us, his people. He's holding on to them. He says to us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what we know. It does not mean we will not have trouble. And so we have to understand that and come to that place. And sometimes that's a real difficult place to understand. And when everything's going your way, it may not be. But when trouble comes, it's troublesome. Verse 2, it is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. So here's what we're saying. Just, I mean, this is really helpful because the reality is, is again, I told you, a simple person will say to you, if you do good, life will be good for you. A wise person will say, if you do good, we're not promised that it will be good for you. A, a wise person will say, you pursue the Lord not because it's transactional. One day you're going to go to heaven and you're going to have a lot of cool stuff on earth. That, that's, it's not that way. You pursue Him because He is the chief like goal of life. He is the place of satisfaction. He is where your hope is to be found. If you think about just this transactional thing where He gives me, if I do right, He'll give me this then basically, you're just making a trade with God. You don't want God. You want what He'll give you. You don't want Him. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want Him. You, don't want, you want nice stuff, but you don't want Him. You want His blessings, but you don't really want Him. It's kind of the idea. But what this is saying is, here's the reality. If you live a righteous life, you're not promised an easy life. 
And if you live a bad life, you're not promised a bad existence here. And so he said, I've seen all that. I've noticed that. I've experienced that. I've watched that on display. So he's kind of summarizing some of the things that he has said. So he kind of helps uh, the real religious that might be here this morning. It's, uh, he says, listen, if uh, you do good to your neighbor and not evil, that doesn't protect you from trouble. If you keep yourself real morally clean and pure, that doesn't necessarily keep you from trouble. If you go to worship every Sunday and you bring your tithes and you offer those to the Lord, that's not, it's not like you're protecting yourself from any trouble. The reality is we don't know exactly uh, what the Lord is doing in the world and we see good coming to sinners and bad coming to righteous. So you can't be a fool in study Ecclesiastes. A foolish person, let's say. A simple person. Simple people will struggle with Ecclesiastes because it addresses life as it really is, not what it is in your fairy tale world. That makes sense? Okay, so verse 3, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Now, now what is the event? You know what it is? Death. The same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of men are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. He is just saying, listen, death happens to all. You may live longer than someone else, but not because you ate healthy and worked out all the time. And not saying that that doesn't have some benefit. It, it does. Many times. But not all the time. So you just kind of have to get that in your mind too and you remind yourself of that. But at the same time, again, no bit, it's not being wise in that way is not a bad thing. Just don't put your hope in that as being the thing that's going to rescue you from trouble. One bumper sticker uh, says, eat well, stay fit, and die anyway. So just, you know, kind of keep that in mind. Okay, so there's an, this is an evil, verse 3, that is done unto the Son, that the same event happens to all. And then he goes on and says, also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. So what is he saying? They're all going to die, but not only that, the corruption is so great it just absolutely astonishes him. And he's kind of accepted that. Now, you may or may not, I don't know, have ever studied Genesis 6, 5 through 7, but if you have, you know that it says, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of his heart was evil continually. It's just a reminder that man's like irreparably damaged without a new heart. Really, that's the whole story of the Bible, is that unless God gives you a new heart, causes you to be born again, you're, you are, uh, there is no hope for you. And he sees that, he understands that. Verse 4, 5 and 6. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. Now, here's what he says. Don't despair so much. Like, don't despair completely. Live in that perplexing kind of thing of like things happen that are like, that they don't make sense to you. You can deal with that and, and, and come to the place where you say, it is better to be alive than to be dead. That's kind of what he says. When he says a living dog is better than a dead lion. 
you may think about that for a moment and be like, wait, little Fido at home, I love him, he loves me, I pet him, he sits in my lap, you know, or whatever. I like to get him to chase people, and he likes to, well, if little Fido, like, it is in your mind when you're listening to this verse, that's not it. What it is, is it's like old, like, kind of like coyotes or something, like, wild, wild dogs were just kind of roaming around, scavenging, you know, it wasn't like your little home, your little pet at home, so you kind of think like uh, a dog, and everybody would be like, I can't stand those dirty scoundrels, you know, kind of thing, is better than a dead lion, so what he's saying is, it is better to be even if you were a dog to be alive, than to be dead. He says, because the people that are dead, they, they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate, their envy uh, have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that has done, been done under the sun. What he's saying is, like, they don't even get to be mad at people. You know, or something to gripe about. They don't even have something to be frightened about. They don't get to talk, back, you know, about the elections or grumble about the gas prices. They don't even get to do that. That's kind of what he's saying. So it's important to understand that, I think, because loves and hates and desires have already perished and forever. They have no share among this Empty life is kind of what he's saying. Not, not completely, but he's just helping you understand that. There is some level of hope if you are alive. If you are alive. So you kind of have to enjoy the present gift while you're living. That, that's his point. Now, remember, he's not talking about the afterlife in heaven and all those things for you at this moment. That is not uh, directly like the focus. And we're going to talk about that as we kind of get to the end. So, we're talking about enjoying life, but first you have to say, life perplexes me, and there's things about it that are just, oh man, they just get me. Can't believe it, you know? And uh, most of you are not living a fairy tale life. And if you are, you might be being dishonest to yourself, you know? Um, so let's keep moving. Verse 7, so you want to enjoy today's gifts. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for, for God has already approved what you do. Now, um, again, wine and food are both very festive. You know, and I, I want to, for those of you that need me to say this, this assumes moderation, right? That, just, that assumes that. Like, gluttony and drunkenness are condemned in the Bible. But enjoying those other two things, wine and food, are not condemned. They're a sign of blessing, a sign of favor, and a sign of joy. The Scripture uh, is clear about that. And so what he's saying is this, um, and, I, and I saw this yesterday. We went to Naaman's. How many of you like to eat at Naaman's? Some of you are like, I've never been there. I've heard it's really expensive. Occasionally, you can eat at Naaman's, you know? And so, if you take your kids there, you will ruin them for the rest of their life. No. But, uh, it's, we went there and we're eating that food. And my, like, my boys uh, enjoy, they've, from their mother, I think, just learn to appreciate foods. Like, different types of foods and different textures and different seasonings. 
and they are just like devouring the food there. I mean, they, it's just everybody's like a little more meat. Could I have a little, you know, sauce. And, you know, some might be like, oh, don't put sauce on that. It's already good without it. You know, that kind of thing. But it's that, that kind of, they should enjoy that. For some of you, you might be like, what? They enjoy food. It's just for calories. I intake, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you are not living, right? This will be a hard study for you, you know? Uh, Jacob, I looked at, he looked up at me. So I got, he, when he fries a turkey, you know, a wild turkey, he called me one day. I went over there and I was like, man, I just want to live here forever, right? In this moment, I want to capture that moment. So it's just, what he's saying is like, enjoy those things. Those are resources that God has given. There's something that you can delight in to enjoy and treasure those moments, although life is very perplexing and difficult, and you think, I don't really understand all of this, this that's going on. You know, and although you may go to Thanksgiving and someone there is struggling in a massive way at this moment in their life, and you understand that you could be there too, but yet God has given you a day to eat with your family, so delight in that. Do the best you can to delight in those things and, and have a merry heart. And be, be joyful in what God has given you. Verse 8, let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. This is a way of saying in a very dusty environment where clothing was always just, uh, would be dirty and just, you know, white would be the sign of uh, a special time that you had set aside. So a white garment was uh, very much like a, a festive deal and they would go somewhere and you would go to some kind of party or wedding or festival and so uh, it's almost like saying dress up and put on cologne and you know stop kind of like living how you I mean go clean up and and let's do this let's enjoy ourselves and so that's what he um is calling them to like enjoy the activities that you have here there are those things that you get to do um and and it's he kind of is saying, like, just in, we know all of this, um, you know, the history of like, okay, there's some perplexing things. The fact is that one day you will not be here, uh, but today you are here. Today you are here, and enjoy this day. Verse nine: Enjoy life with the wife with, with whom you love all the days of your vain life that He has given you under the sun, because this is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, enjoy your wife. The life God's given you together. Enjoy her. And, and, and a, a wife here today, you would say, enjoy your husband. And, and maybe a husband or a wife today would say, well, they're hard to enjoy. Enjoy them anyway. Make a pursuit of enjoying them. Delighting in them getting to know them, spending time with them. And that's hard. I mean, I, we're in a stage where the children are, our children are young and they kind of like take all energy and all like at times where they're fun, but you know, some of the, you know, at the end of the day, everybody is exhausted, you know? And so you kind of have to make time to spend time together. Ann and I are, are soon going on a trip together for Probably it'll be like four days, you know, and not everybody here would say, oh, I can do that. You might say, well, right now, all I could do is we could find a night to go to dinner. That's fine. But enjoy those things. God has made 
this a, a, a wonderful reality that you are able to walk with someone through this life and to enjoy them and to treasure them and to be a companion with them and enjoy all the all elements of that relationship. And it's easy to forget when you're exhausted or tired or pushed to the end, but we should delight in one another. God designed it that way. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. So again, we're perplexed by a lot of things in life. We know we're going to die, but we want to enjoy today's gifts. And one of those gifts is work. You say, but work is cursed. Ah, you know, I can't stand work, you know, or whatever you might say. The reality is, is you want to strive to delight in the opportunity God has given you today. That doesn't mean it's all easy. That doesn't mean you like every aspect of it. It means you learn. if you're a student, you learn. If you're a little kid and you have a room and your parent says like, hey, keep your room straightened up, like do that with all your might. If, if you have a job that doesn't take that much of you, but you could step it up a little bit, do it. If you have an opportunity to move to a higher level in that work that you're doing, pursuing under the sun, do that. Whatever God has given you to do today, do that next thing. That's what he's saying. This is what you have. If when we just if you work at home and you're just watching and taking care of and guiding your children, do that and do it well. If you are home from your normal occupation, don't be like me. Sometimes it will not put the phone down. But instead, just like be there, present in that. What if, you could say, in pursuing joy in the good things that God has given, your heart gets all messed up? Answer, it will. And you'll have to confess that before the Lord because sometimes you'll find yourself falling in love with the gifts and not the giver, and that's a reality. It will. Do, do it anyway. Enjoy it anyway. And then be prayerful. God, today I thank you for this moment, this hour, this relationship, this time with my family. You do not want those things to take the place of God, but God gave them to us to enjoy. Right? So we want to do that. The last part here, which may have, I could have moved this around a little bit, but I, I didn't write it, you know, so I'm not, the Lord put this here, you always kind of have to stop and say, okay, hold on, how would you read this? Verses 11 and 12, I would just say, face your complexity with hope, and what I would say is, we're going to read this as a Christian, and I'll explain that. So let's look at verse 11. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, what is he saying? Um, 
the ones who are the wisest in the room are not always the ones that receive the favor. The ones who are the most intelligent don't always end up with all the money. The ones who are the strongest do not always win the battle. It's just not true. Again, he is the wisdom teacher. We're sitting back and saying, teach us. The swift do not always win the race. What he's saying is, whatever good things come out, they're doled out over time and chance. Now, we would say, he's providentially, God is doling out these things in life. And time will kind of show where everything comes together. And it's, it's just, we don't know that. Again, that's part of the complexity. Verse 12, for man does not know his time like fish that are taken in an evil net. Um. I don't know if he would say or caught with like an evil rod and reel. Like that would kind of make me. I don't think of those. As and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. It's just that we're just saying, listen, we don't control our destiny. God is in control of those things. Does that fill you with despair? It could if you did not think he was infinitely wise and holy and much better than you at controlling the universe. So what do you do? I think Christianly we say we have to go beyond the sadness of what life is at times and even the happiest parts of this time and say I want to look beyond to glory. That's what I want to do. And I had a friend that he's texted me for years and years and years on my birthday. I don't even speak to him during the year. And I don't even know his birthday, you know. But he says to me the other day, he said, I hope you bask in the glory. That was his statement. Happy birthday. What was he trying to do? Delight in the wonder of life beyond the sun now and look forward to it in the future. For Paul, then it became, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. He's basking in the glory. First Peter 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So for us today, I think we say, let's pursue joy in this life. We have to say we're perplexed by it. We have to accept the reality of our death. We want to enjoy the gifts that we have today. And we want to let the complexity drive us to our ultimate hope. And so I hope that you will do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for wise hearts and wise actions and wise words. We want to be people of wisdom. We want to demonstrate that to one another.
we want to demonstrate that to our families. We ask that you help us to do that. In Christ's name, amen. This time we take the Lord's Supper to